This week we say goodbye to the pre-season and impatiently wait while the cricket... World Cup comes to an end and the real stuff begins. We bring you a review of the pretend showdown, news and views from the club and around the AFL, and a revealing and some would say incriminating board talk. There's no frivolous match day finds here. This is Crowcast. Thanks very much, Phoenix, and welcome once again, everybody, to the Adelaide Board Big Footy Crowcast. Peter Jay with you again, your host, and um, uh, we're just a loose collection of footy fans here having a chat about football. Uh, we're not mates with Liggy or Richo or anyone like that. We're just a, a bunch of fans that like to talk about footy, so glad you're joining us once again. Um, look, I'm pretty flat this evening. Um, was uh, going to be excited to talk to you about uh, what was happening in the uh, what happened in the NAB Challenge match, uh, Port versus the Crows? We had a great performance by uh, our boys, but um, sadly, of course, Brad Crouch with a uh, terrible injury putting him out for probably 12 weeks. So, really sad news, and just feeling a little bit flat. So, um, but we'll do our best to get through and uh, bring you a little bit of news from around the AFL, as well as news from around the Crows, and also a chat to a member of the Big Footy Adelaide board. So joining us tonight, uh, as our uh, as they usually do, is our panel of uh, footy fans. And uh, at first, cab off the rank, uh, specious argument. Good evening, specious. How are you? And uh, of course, our editor, Phoenix sixty seven. How are you tonight, Phoenix? Evening, Peter. Very well, thank you. Very good, Nikki. New, most respected poster on the board. How are you this evening? I'm very well. Terrific uh, for you to join us this evening. We've also got uh, WFL. How are you tonight, mate? Hello, Peter. Good evening. Right, good to have everybody on board. We'll uh, kick off tonight with a look around the AFL with Nikki's news. Thanks, Nikki. So I think the AFL really, really, really wants the season to start because not only have we had the Essendon saga dragging on, but now we've got betting. Um, Chris from the Magpies. Uh, he's being investigated for a bet he laid last year whilst at Brisbane, and then there were two. Bulldogs players who are also under investigation, one who's an AFL player in Lockie Hunter and one VFL. Uh, the claim is that the VFL um, player laid the bet on the AFL player's account. Um, but what is kind of damning is that he bet that the AFL Bulldogs team was going to lose and they did. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure the AFL really wants the season to start so we could kind of hide all this stuff that's going on amongst some decent other news. One thing I thought was interesting was the announcement of the new Level 4 coaching course by the AFL. Um, we'll start with nine coaches who were named. And interestingly, you, in order to apply for a senior position in the AFL, you must have this accreditation in future, which I think is pretty much to stop any James Herds and Crazy Vossies occurring. Um, out of the names that were listed, the interesting one I thought was David Teague didn't appear, but he did say in his um, interview he had last week that he was invited to apply, but he declined at the time because he wants to focus more initially on learning under Walshie. Um, in the article about it, they did state that the selection panel asked us, Gold Coast and the Bulldogs, who are leading candidates were. Out of the, the list of names, the one I found interesting missing is Nathan Bassett because a lot of people are pretty sure he's going. He's one of the next possible senior coaches around. Whether he's a case of David Teague, of he's not quite ready for it yet, I, or they didn't ask him, don't know. 
Do you reckon, Nikki, this is uh, an effort by the AFL to improve the uh, coaching um, fraternity overall, or do you think that it's a pretty cynical attempt to make sure that they avoid any further potential liability that could arise out of a similar James Heard situation? Well, coming from a coaching background myself, um, and this one's in gymnastics, you can't coach at certain levels unless you have a certain accreditation. And I was just amazed that somebody like James Heard, without the high level, could go in and coach at at that senior level. It was it just kind of blew me away that that kind of happened. So I think it's something they had working towards, but what happened regarding Essendon and a few other things just kind of pushed them to to make sure that this happened. And speaking of Essendon, news that has just come out today on Tuesday that a retired bomber player who was part of the program but didn't receive an infraction notice is planning to take the AFL and Essendon to court for health and safety issues. He's requested that his his identity remains a secret. So Channel 10 here in Adelaide named the player apparently and then proceeded to discuss his request to remain anonymous, which I think is a bit interesting but in the discussion over on the hot topic board about it there was some information released or shared from a Carlton supporter on their um, regarding some posts that were made on their talking Carlton board now the first one arrived back in uh, 2013 and the person on the board said that they spoke to a family member of a kid delisted by Essendon last year a very reliable source The kid received 220 injections in a season, massive medical issues since, physical and mental, considering legal action, said they only knew what some of the injections were and a lot of them were illegal substances. A further post happened from that same poster where it talked about the family being furious after he started peeing blood one day following numerous injections. The matter was referred to Essendon's doctors and he was delisted soon after and he ended up in hospital for an extended stay with depression. Now, we're not sure how true this is, but if that is what happened, that's just absolutely damning. That's even worse than what we could imagine. Well, it's absolutely bloody outrageous, isn't it, really? I mean, and you can understand why there's legal actions gone ahead if it is the case. I've always thought that the reason, one of the reasons why the AFL have pursued this so um, belligerently is because there's a lot that we don't actually know and it wouldn't surprise me um, if that level of, um, you know, injections were going on for quite some time at Essendon. I, I, I reckon that, when all the evidence comes out and, you know, suppressions are, list- are lifted and um, people can start talking, I think we're going to hear some horror stories, to be honest. You always have to wonder, did you catch them this time or was it, you know, the only time they tried it and they were just so inept that they got caught? It's, it's hard to believe that something like this, you know, we know the whole story, 100% of it. I think Dank's just such a snake oil merchant and he'd been trying to peddle his ideas which really have absolutely no basis anywhere except in his own mind. There seems to be no science behind what he does. He just kind of tries everything and goes, oh, this kind of works. Um, maybe we'll mix it with this, which nobody's ever done before. It might work, might not. Well, you have to wonder, uh, and I know it's drawing a long bow, but you have to wonder whether there's any connection between Bomber Thompson and Charter's time at Geelong and their, you know, spike in performance. Um, oh, that would be Robinson. That would be Robinson, not Charter. Char- oh, sorry, Robinson. Yeah, Charter has the link to Heard because he was Heard's personal trainer 
um, during Hurd's time as a player. So that's why there's now question marks regarding Hurd, where he spent the year off being injured and came back remarkably bigger the following year. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, there, there are a lot of stories to tell, I think, and it, it will be interesting over the next, you know, 10 years as, as certain people filter out of the industry. Um, it'll be interesting to hear some of those stories as they come out. Oh, it, it all depends on court cases. I think it's the same with Tippett, though, as well. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, when no one's working in the industry anymore that was involved and they can actually write a book about it. Yeah, that'll be kind of interesting to find out. Okay, so moving on away from Essendon because I think next week we might be talking about them an awful lot even more. Um, some sad news for Melbourne. Uh, triple Premiership player Jeff Tunbridge passed away today at the age of 82. Uh, he was described as explosively quick and he was noted for refusing payment due to his personal belief that players should play for the love of the game. This is in marked contrast to what happens now and specifically that the AFLPA has asked to be included as part of the upcoming broadcast rights discussions. Um, their belief is the players are the performers, so they should have a say in what they can bring to the discussion. And the CEO of the AFLPA had the backing of his executive, which does include our own Patrick Dangerfield on that executive. And I think of the news that pretty much has brought a lot of Adelaide supporters smile to their face that James Aish has put contract talks on hold with Brisbane. And the last little thing I thought we should have a chat about was the NAB Challenge Ladder. Um, somebody's actually gone through, taken the time and figured out what the percentage would be and who actually won the NAB Challenge or not. It's kind of interesting that Brisbane apparently won it. Uh, GWS was second, we, followed by the Bulldogs, Fremantle, Geelong, and North Melbourne and us, we shared it. Sydney, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Richmond, Melbourne, Collingwood and West Coast. Losing Crouch, we certainly didn't win it. Well, he is just one player, though. But, uh, that premiership table tells a bit of a story, doesn't it, about NAB Challenge? Oh, and I forgot that after West Coast, was they actually beat Carlton, Port Adelaide, St Kilda and Essendon. So there's certain teams down the bottom I think we didn't expect to be down the bottom. I, I think it's a fairly good indication of, of, of how a lot of the teams, particularly the higher-ranked teams, treat the NAB Challenge, we, and which is how it should be treated. I mean, they're just trial games. Yep, precisely. Unless... Unless they're pre-season showdowns with Port and you win and then they're actually a showdown. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, a lot of teams are at different phases of their preparation, Um, particularly the teams that finished higher up on the ladder last year. You know, they're a bit later in their preparation. Um, You you have to take it with a grain of salt. I think the the win-loss record isn't important. What is important is is how teams play. And I've been going on about this for a while, that it's – it's not it's not the players in the one to five that you need to see play well. It's the ones below that, the ones that should be fighting for a game. And if you don't see the energy from them, I think that's that's a really bad sign. But then again, if you do see them fighting for their spot, then that that bodes well for the for the coming year. I think we we had a revelation in our preseason with with the sad with Crouch going down, but I think we uh, had another player step up, Cam uh, Elshalman. Most definitely. I think he's a lock for round one. Well, hearing Walshy talk about him um, post-match, you can tell that he's got a bit of a soft spot for him and I think he's really put some development work into him, um, you know, based on his observations of Cam's play in the SANFL before Walshy even got here. So it's good to see. Is Cam big enough to be an AFL footballer? He's the same size as Dangerfield. 
I never would have guessed. I stand corrected. Yeah, and long arms. He's just got – he's a bit more slim line than Danger. Danger's a bit more bulky across the upper body, but Cam's very strong. If you saw some of those tackles he was sticking on, the players that he was um, tackling, there's some good strength going on in that upper body as well. He's, he's 189 and 94 kilos. He's a big, big lad. And, again, from what Walsh said, it, it confirms um, this issue with his kicking. Um, I actually think – that uh, by you know by listening to what Walsh said, he he sounds like a bit of a uh, a quiet, respectful sort of lad. You know, every time he sees a senior player, he wants to give him the handball, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think as he feels more comfortable in the team and feels like he belongs in the team, I think I think he's got a lot of upside yet. So I think that relates to what Peter and I were discussing last week, where we were trying to figure out whether it was a confidence issue with him that he's kicking and everything else and. And he just, he just seems to be that much of a confidence player. Yeah, I think you're right. A little bit of other news that came out just today was uh, Michelangelo Rucci's top 50s latest instalment. How did we see the naming of Justin Westhoff at player 21, if you don't mind? I don't read his stuff, so I don't no, really didn't care. Read it. Oh, I did. I just couldn't believe it. And it was written in such a way as to, uh, I think he started the article with the words bring it on and he finished the article with the words bring it on and uh, that was in relation to the reaction that he was going to get with Justin Westhoff at 21. Oh, look, I, reading Rucci's article was akin to reading a match day thread um, in NAB Challenge, Peter. Um, not good for your health. Yeah, don't do it, Peter. Anything else from around the AFL? No, they're kind of pretty much the, the big things. All right, um, everybody, it's um, uh, bigfooty.com is the website address if you want to join us and uh, follow the link to the Adelaide Football Club. You can join in um, some chitter-chatter that we have going on there. Um, also, we're at Twitter, at BF uh, Crowcast. Um, give us a shout on Twitter or Facebook as well. Okay, um, so moving along now, we've got uh, a review of the big game on the weekend, the NAB, NAB Challenge game between Port Adelaide and the Crows. How do we all see that game? I think it's very clear that that means that we're going to finish well above Ford on the ladder this year. I quite enjoyed sitting there, particularly that third quarter. It was, it was a real indication of uh, that's probably the closest that we've seen to how Walsh wants us to play. Um, defensive pressure was was fantastic, um, and the thing that the thing that I like is that we're not tied in, tied up with you know um, overusing the ball and and you know dominating possession. We, we're quite an efficient team this year, and we're quite happy to give a little bit of ground um, and allow opposition teams to be in a certain area of the ground whilst we drop back into a defensive structure and then we're actually betting teams on, on, on the on the turnover this year. It looks like everyone's understanding the game plan. The players aren't running around looking lost like they did at, at times last year. What I really enjoyed uh, was the, a lot of the defensive pressure and you could actually see that there was confidence in the players to slide off their own man and move towards the ball carrier. So if they beat one tackle and, and dispose of the ball, then the next man steps up to grab the ball carrier. And if that's disposed of, then the next man and so on until they actually nail the tackle and stop the play. That was really great to see live at the ground because I love watching patterns and yeah, just as you said, that trust of them doing that that one over, which you need to be at the ground to actually see that happening and how hard 
all of our team were working to do that. Defensive intensity that was non-existent last year, we just it just seems so prominent from watching in the preseason this year. It's great to watch. And standout performances, we were just talking, of course, about Cam Ellis-Yolman and his 27 disposals. Uh, I thought he improved his kick-to-handball ratio this week. I think he had something like it was nine nine kicks and, and the rest handball. So at least he was getting a bit of a boot-to-ball um, and no glaring, horrible errors because I think he was mainly kicking out of congestion. But uh, uh, certainly his, his numbers were, were great again. A, a very, very good performance, I thought. And the other one that I was really, really happy to see was Richard Douglas. He just looked in uh, terrific nick. Some of his disposal was absolutely first class. He's such an underrated player in our. He's very much like Tyson Edwards in our current team. He just adds that extra string to our midfield um, that usually gets off the leash because you know how many players can you cover? And his disposal is pretty good. And when he's running on top of the ground, he's pretty hard to stop. Interestingly, um, the last couple of years I've been watching who opposition teams have been tagging at our midfield and most of the time they'll actually try and tag Douglas and if you look at our, I'm trying to remember what the stats were when he doesn't play we normally don't win yeah he's a very very important player for us um, but uh, gee the thing that stood out to me was just some of his disposal was I mean I know, I know I'm just repeating myself but gee it stood out um, very very good performance from him uh, obviously the real Downer from the um, the match was Brad Crouch's injury. Very, very disappointing to, uh, to at this late stage of the preseason, to lose such a key player for 12 weeks. It is sad, but we lost him in the first quarter, and what did we do? Yeah, it's probably more sad for him. Um, I mean, you'd obviously rather have him in the team than not, but it does seem as if we've got some cover for him. Um, I'm a bit sceptical about the 12 weeks. Foot injuries scare the hell out of me, so... I think 12 weeks might be a little optimistic. Although with how conservative our club has been with actually talking about injuries, that's kind of been interesting this season as well as to I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt as to whether that's actually them being a little bit more conservative. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of variables with foot injuries. Um, you know, you hear some horror stories of, like look at Trengove, I know yeah. it's a, a different injury, but... The, the foot has a lot of, uh, well, it's a complex structure and you just hope like hell that it heals correctly. The, the, the bloke that I'm worried about is Rory. Um, he seems down. He doesn't seem quite as engaged. Like he's still hard at the ball and all the rest of it, but he's just, um, he just seems to be one step off the pace at the moment from where I'm standing. He was against the last two games, but I thought, yep, he stepped up against Port and particularly that, nine-pointer off of his left foot. He was very happy with himself. Yeah, I wonder where he fits, actually. I, I, it's, I know he's being run through the midfield. Um, you'd almost, you'd almost tr- try to just keep him on the wing and let him run and, and run Brody a little bit more through the mids. That's where they've been playing him mostly, um, from what I've seen. He's been coming in off the wing, and only every so often does he go in the middle. What actually really impressed me, though, was um, how clueless Dermot Brereton is saying we've got six defenders um, when we were setting up for a centre bounce. No, Dermot, we've got an extra midfielder who's coming in off the back lines. Um, that was a nice little tactic I quite liked from Olshie. Dermot's always been an idiot, though. Well, that too. Well, actually, one of my one of my earliest memories in football is that chant going up at Waverley, Dermot's a wanker. 
Oh, we we have fond memories from, from the. Uh, I think what was it? It was twenty four years ago this week of him taking out our inaugural captain. Yeah, I, I didn't mind seeing Brain get flattened. Well, yeah, I don't like Glenelg players really that much either, which is odd being a South supporter. But um, how many games did he get? I can't. I can't remember. Um, might might have been three or four. I can't remember to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was a couple. It was a pretty blatant takeout. They're only about you know sixty points behind at the time. And one of the other things that I really like, guys, was uh, the the way that um, Nikki was just talking about um, a defender coming in off the square. Um, Eddie Betts a few times came in off the back of the square and um, just seemed to have a uh, you know on a mission to execute tackles and loved the way he got in and picked up a couple of possessions like that. I reckon Eddie's been craving for five years to run through the midfield. And he's got it the past couple of games. Um, well, she's released him to go and do that. Um, interesting, that player off the back of the square, I counted there were th- normally it was three of them and it was Dangerfield Sloan or Eddie. It's such a smart move to have Danger starting out of the middle, uh, you know, breaking tags and also just looking after his body. And, and it encourages him to get on the outside because he's not first at the first at the contest. No, we've got other players who can do that now. It also, interestingly, um, Port a couple of times just couldn't get their they, – they were going nuts trying to get their spare um, spare defender having to run all the way. He would have to come down onto the wing and the wingman would then have to go and be that sort of um, backman in, in a way trying to stop us doing that free run into the middle. I can almost hear Philip Walsh. Um, sitting there and um, saying to himself, why the hell would you allow your marquee player to be smashed up every week? Why would you do it? If it was Sanderson, he'd say, but you can't stop him. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He just does what he likes. But um, I I reckon Walsh has just been scratching his head thinking, why would you do that? Why would you have your best player banged up week in, week out? And he played predominantly down forward this game as well. Is he, is he carrying a bit of a knee, Danger? I thought um, he was – he looked like he was limping a little bit in the first quarter and I noticed that he wasn't running full pelt um, for the rest of the game. He would still chase players, but it wasn't at the speed that we know that he can do. So I did wonder whether there was just a little niggle. He got a knock and so we just kind of protect him by putting him up forward and then causing havoc. Although that that burst that he did versus two of them towards the end there, um, getting free, he had no right to have that ball, um, and just that turn of foot that he that he, it's actually his 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 pace through the ball when he actually goes to pick up the ball, he gains an extra five yards of pace. It's just unbelievable. Well, it's amazing that we you know we sit here and we well last year especially about we you know we needed this outside run. Everyone's saying we need outside run or you know. And our best outside runner is in, you know, in the bottom of packs getting the ball out. And so I just think that Walsh has just had, you know, a bit of an idea to get, um, you know, CY, uh, Lions and, and, well, Brad Crouch for a couple of games, but not so much now, obviously. But um, And to, to be in doing that blue-collar grunt work and so that you've got, you know, a guy like Dangerfield with his pace, you know, on the outside and, and not in there having ball out. Do we think Yench gets back in for round one? Yeah, not he was my, being managed. No, I don't reckon he'll make it. I think that's just my gut feel. I don't know who drops out. 
depends on what the matchups are um, between our back line and their forward line. They've got a very, very tall forward line, North Melbourne, and I, I just can't see Brown and Laird missing on, on the way that it's been going. I think you've got to have Laird on Thomas. Um, I don't think Yench is, is a marking defender, and you're right, Peter, they are very tall down back. And Brown's also a lot quicker than what people realise, um, but he's played on Thomas before, and he's actually blanketed Thomas's very well, so he's got form there. I think they'll bring Pods Yadley back in as well. Well, you know, you've got Petrie who's going to take um, some stopping and then you've got, is it Brett Brown, that guy with the frizzy hair? He, he's a very strong player and, and he, he's in the revolt mould. He gets up the ground and he's he's got a lot of endurance. So it'll be interesting to see who they try to match him up with. And Pods apparently in the SNFL, what is it? somebody said it was like a man playing boys. I'd actually be more prepared to put um, Talia on him and uh, and start with Hardigan on Petrie and see how that goes. Because I think what we've done previously is like Talia, he's the centre-half forward. And so whoever plays there, that's who he takes. What they've got to be careful of is the, uh, the tactic that seems to be growing amongst opposition teams is the tactic of whoever Talia goes to, to, you know, to lead him out of the play and then rely on their second or third forwards to, uh, to kick their goals. It's been happening more and more and, and it's something that you know, we've just got to be aware of. And I, I can see one of the reasons I can see Podsy Adley playing is because you know, if Talia is um, drawn out of the play, then we're going to need an extra body uh, to come and cut across and give some help. Yeah, uh, I think that's where Cheney um, has to be very clear about his role because he needs to provide that chop out um, as well, particularly if we end up matching up Hardigan on Petrie. Uh, Hardigan's going to match in body strength but not, not footy now, so we need someone cutting across there. I actually get the impression that Walshy, in a little way in the last quarter, was kind of playing around just to see what how the defence was going to cope. Um, because he very much, as I noticed, Van Berlo sat on the bench pretty much for almost the entirety and only came on um, towards the end. He kind of kept our senior players away from the midfield. I think he was kind of playing to see how our defence would cope with pressure. What was your impression being at the ground, Nicky, um, with the Hardigan? Was it Hardigan on Westhoff? Was Westhoff just having one of his Westhoff days or did Hardigan yeah, actually do a good job? Yeah, hardly saw him at all. Um, I think Talia, I mean, afterwards when I found out like Ollie Wines had so many possessions and everything else and we were just sitting there going, he did what? We hardly noticed a lot of the Port players. It was, they seemed to get the possessions but, they were doing a, a – it was very much an over-possession game happening because they were trying to get the run and they couldn't do it. Westov, I think, yeah, he was – there was no – their entries into their forward line were just horrible, absolutely horrible. So it's a bit hard to tell. I, you know, I, that, that um, comment draws me back to what I was saying before about Walsh's structure. I think it's really good that he's – it's not a matter of being manic all over the ground. I think there are, there are times when we're quite happy to um, allow space at the ball but then regroup behind the play. Um, and I think that showed up with Port. Uh, they'd, they'd, you know, try to switch or whatever, but we'd be, we'd be covering um, further afield. And I think that's a more sustainable defensive play than just trying to run up and down the ground all day. 
they just seemed to have one plan, which was um, try to get that fast spread and run, which is a high risk, a high reward. But if it doesn't work, the turnover and you get absolutely killed. And because we got the pressure on them most of the time, we turned it over. And But, yeah, their entries into their forward line, which is sitting there going, they've got no plan. It's just kind of vomit and hope. So it's a bit like us last year. Who, who actually was on Johnny Butcher? It did swap a bit. Um, I think it was Hardigan mostly. I didn't think Hardigan was on Butcher much at all, actually. I could be wrong, but I thought Hardigan spent most of his time on Westop. I think it was more we were playing to that structure of if depending on where their forward was, that's who manned up on them. Just just worries me this tendency to bypass Talia. It's a, it's a huge worry, I think, and um, particularly a team like North Melbourne will quite happily send, you know, uh, one of their uh, key forwards, uh, you know, happily send, say, you know, Petrie, um, who, who Tully could take. They'll send him, they'll, they will not play through him, and then they'll just play through Waite and Brown. You know, it's a, it's a real worry. Well, we'll see what Walshie has planned as to whether um... – They've just been playing a little bit in the preseason, which is what I think's been happening. I don't think we've seen everything; we've just seen glimpses. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we have the manpower yet, though, to cover, um, you know, three tools, which is what North are going to bring, and a few other teams are going to bring. So it's going to come down to controlling the midfield, I think. Otherwise, we might get um, get found out with those sorts of matchups. They also have a bit of an X factor this year too, North. They um, have Sean Higgins. So who do we get to cover Sean Higgins? That's the question. Well, that's the midfield, which is, as well she said, you, he doesn't like those taggers or, as he calls them, coolers. Um, and it's up to everybody to be part of that team defence to shut it down so that he can't do that run. Look, I watched a bit of that game, uh, North and um, Richmond, wasn't it? And they were playing loose. It, it, there wasn't much tight checking going on. And Higgins is skilled enough to get, get a lot of ball in that scenario. But I think uh, Higgins is hot and cold. And whilst he looks fit and healthy, um, I don't. I think we the one to watch is always Brent Harvey in that team. Guys, just thinking, what did we uh, think of the forward line? Um, there were some good performances there, I thought, particularly from Tom Lynch. He... Must have racked up seven or 18 touches, uh, seven or eight marks. I think he got there in a couple of goals. I thought his performance was good. Jenkins was a little bit quiet again. Uh, Walker did, I think, what he needed to do before subbed off. So how, how did we see the forward line generally? There was some really nice structure going on of um, keeping a really open space for whoever, uh, sort of whether we could one out Walker or Dangerfield. Uh, yeah, it was a good, good link um, with Lynch there. And... One thing I noticed is there was no ducking, which I was impressed with. So hopefully he has got out of the habit finally. He kind of went to do it a couple of times and then straightened himself up. Yeah, I noticed that too. Did any of you guys catch David Teague's interview last um, last week where he they were asking him you know, about certain players and things and he talked about having a care for your um, teammates and one of those that he – talked up about that in particular was Matthew Wright and he's sort of um, he was discussing that what he means by that is blocking and getting in the right position and protecting your teammates and that Matty Wright was the one out of all the forwards who does that the best. 
Yeah, he's an interesting character, Matty Wright, and uh, he just seems to uh, do enough to be noticed, but he doesn't really ever seem to do enough to put his position beyond doubt. But uh, obviously from what you're saying there, Nicky, he's certainly got the uh, the coach's approval. I think he's suffered under Sanderson's um, structures or lack of structures. Um, he's very much a role player, and I think he might be the sort of player that Walsh just gives a simple task to and he carries it out every week. Um, you know, whereas with, with Sanderson, I think it was more, you know, throw everyone on the ground and, and play your best boys. He also does the um, Selwood ducks with the arm up. I think he almost does it better than Selwood. Yeah, no one does it better than Selwood. Oh. <laughs> Matty Wright's pretty damn good at getting free kicks with that bobblehead of his. Anything else then to come out of the game from the weekend, guys? I liked how Taylor stayed stayed more forward this week. He didn't push up as much, and that was probably a product of having Lynch in the team. He did, though. I, his, um, You know how there was that free kick at the very start of the game uh, where Laird quite rightly had a go, you know, went to punch the ball, but they got given the free kick and they got a goal out of it. Walker absolutely legged it into the forward line to make sure that he had a little quiet chat with Laird. He gave him a little tap and then he backed out again. So that was some really um, nice captainly things I saw from him just from the start of the game. The other thing that I found interesting was that he shook every um, field umpire's hand when he came in, not just go to the one that's going to toss the coin. It's very polite. Or buttering up to all of them. He's looking for a brown line. Rory Laird, I think, uh, booked his spot for round one. I love that little boy. He, he's a champ. Yeah, I think he was another one, Phoenix, that suffered a little bit last year from the uh, just how we, we seem to structure up, particularly in defence, and he just couldn't seem to find a home for some ridiculous reason. And uh, I, I think he's going to find one, though, this year. What do we think about the SNFL reserves, um, the reports we've got out of there regarding Cameron playing in the midfield entirely? I actually like the fact that we we were not only competitive but beat them quite convincingly by reports. Um, it seems like maybe there's a bit more... It uh, looks like the top-up players are more appropriate this year um, and it seems like we've got a bit more focus um, in year two. And Matty Crouch only playing a half and what was it, 14 disposals and seven clearances? Yeah, he's a jet, Nicky, I reckon. I love the way that he plays. So very disappointed that he is not able to push for a round one spot, but I'm sure it won't be long before he uh, he knocks on the door. Yeah, I think from the way it was being talked about that he will he was just being managed just to see how he goes and the next trial against Westies will probably play a full game. Did uh, Bill, Bill Squared play, Luke Loden? No, they managed him. They said... They thought about it. Um, he, he could have played, but they just wanted to be a little bit conservative with him, but he'll definitely play a full game against Westies in the next SNFL trial. Positive thing for the senior squad is that uh, the uh, the performances apparently were pretty good by all of the uh, players you'd, you know, that have dropped back and have played some of the trials this year. So Podsy Adley, Martin, Yench all, all played good games and um, uh, are in the mix for selection round one. And the senior coach was there to watch them, which I never saw at all from Sanderson last year. It's a very good point, and it's something that came out on radio. And just uh, further to see why, and I, I posted this, um, I've got a connection um, through the, the family there, and there is no doubt that he felt marginalised last year. 
he felt that there were, um, you know, uh, haves and have-nots, I think is what I posted. But he certainly felt that, um, you know, that there, there were players, significant amount of players in the squad that were, you know, really overlooked, not cared about, um, and that there was a, a real dividing line between who Sandow saw were the stars and, and who weren't. So I just pass that on, that um, uh, it, it, was, um, it was felt significantly. Nice to see the change. And, and look what happens. I think it creates more of a club feel that everybody's part of it. So whether you're in the AFL team or whether you're in the SNFL team, we are that one club and we're all in this together or we all fly as one. And that's a very, very nice way to end that off, Nikki. So, all right, look, that's the uh, that's a wrap-up of the game on the weekend. It was a very good win from the Crows. Uh, unfortunate about Brad Crouch, but uh, nevertheless, a, a good hit out from the guys and puts us in good stead for round one. All right, um, just a reminder, uh, please join us at uh, bigfooty.com or follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Give us any comments that you would like and, um, and any feedback that you've got for us. Okay, moving along uh, to our final segment this evening is one that's become a bit of a favourite with all the posters. It's uh, Board Talk, and tonight we've got with us uh, right away. How are you this evening? I'm good. Uh, how are you guys? We're not too bad. There's that funny uh, week between the last NAB challenge and the first real thing. So, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're just in no man's land at the moment. Limbo. Awkward. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know exactly how that, uh, how that feels. Um, I went to the game on, uh, on the weekends against Port Adelaide and it was very weird being back at Footy Park and um, just experiencing the terrible viewing angles that that place, um, you know, provided for decades. Oh, come on now. Footy Park has some very nice memories. Oh, yeah, I don't. It does. I mean, the, the games played there, they, they, I've experienced some great, um, you know, moments sort of watching some amazing performances. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was helped by the viewing angles. Well, you don't. Yeah. You didn't go and sit in the right spots because Adelaide Oval's got some oh, shock on places as well. Oh, that that's true. Yeah, normally I would sit. Um, well, I used to sit in the uh, Western Stand at um, Footy Park, but I had, I was had to sit behind the goals, so that probably contributed to my opinion of um, the weekend's game. I don't think there's any stadium where you sit behind the goals and actually have a decent view. Well, yeah, I think it's doubly bad at Footy Park because of the. Um, how high the mound is in the middle of the ground. You can barely see over it if you're, um, or you can't see over it if you're ground level. It was always kind of funny um, when you sit on the fence because you see the players on the other side and they just kind of don't seem to have legs. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm sure the game was really good. I haven't seen a um, replay yet. Um, I mean, I was at the ground, but I actually haven't seen the game because um, I didn't see much of it because um, I think it was in the third quarter Adelaide were kicking to the uh, northern end, and that was the opposite end to, to where I was sitting, so I really didn't see anything. So you were down near the cheer squad? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty much right behind them, yeah. Tell the truth, you were part of the cheer squad. <laughs> no way. No, not, not in a million years would I. No offence to the cheer squad, uh, but No. Hello to all the cheers folks <laughs> listening. 
I used to enjoy being in the Victorian cheer squad, but I really got sick of sitting behind the goals. I think one of the best examples of being part of a cheer squad was my little sister, who we have the nickname of Foghorn. Um, she actually went down and sat with a friend amongst the Carlton cheer squad um, at Footy Park, and she and it was the stage where Silvani was still playing. So she sat in the middle of the Carlton cheer squad and paid the crap out of Steve Silvani, who was right in front of her for most of that quarter, whilst we absolutely um, hammered them. I think I can't remember what it was, but yeah, she had a great time doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to disparage the cheer squad too much, but it's mainly because they sit behind the goals. I'll, like, echo that sentiment as to why I wouldn't join them because they're sort of fixed in that spot and, you know. Did anybody notice that the Port Cheer Squad, the bay they sat in at Footy Park? Um, no, I didn't notice. It was Bay 119? <laughs> I'm not kidding. They sat there before the grand final happened and they were there afterwards. So uh, when I was part of the tribe, we, um, by the showdown, we had a great time chanting your 119 for life. That's that's prophetic. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call it a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I mean, they were kind of asking for it, maybe. I don't know. It's just one of those hilarious coincidences. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember 2007. I, I mean, I know they made a grand final, but I just didn't think they were any that great. I mean, Geelong were, a, I mean, throughout the year, West Coast were really good, but injuries really hit them late in the year. But and Geelong were like a, you know, were way above everyone else. But I just didn't think Port were that great. Like I watched their games, and I was just like, what's, you know, they're not that good. But I, I think 2007 was a year when Geelong were just that much better than everyone else, and. You know, well, Collingwood were all right. They actually almost beat them in their prelim final from memory. It was almost the last man standing that season. I got free tickets to that grand final, and uh, my father and I ended up leaving at three quarter time because it was just so dry and so boring, and there was no crowd involvement at all. Geelong were in a different stratosphere, that's for sure. I actually remember the first quarter. I watched all the, the pregame stuff and then thought, oh, I can't stand this if they actually do well. So I took the dog to the dog park just around the corner and I came back at quarter time and I looked at the score and went, okay, I think I'm going to sit here and watch the rest of this game. This is going to be enjoyable. I mean... It, One of the best non-Crows games I've ever watched. Yeah, from a... From a um, from a, what is the, what's that German word for getting enjoyment out of the misery of Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude or something like that? The misery out of, um, enjoyment out of the misery of, misery of others. Um, I think that game is sort of the epitome of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked Mark Williams afterwards because he was saying like stuff like that they, they knew that they were the underdogs and they knew that, you know, Geelong were probably going to beat them. And that, that's just histrionics at its best. Um, so when I look at how we were in, in the Neil Craig era when we were the Crowbots, and I think about, you know, could we have won a grand final? I think about 2012, you know, we probably couldn't have won in 2012. Would it have been better to get there and lose for the experience or would it, was it better just to not play at all? And I, I look at 119 and I think, yeah, it's probably better not to play in one at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we didn't get to, um, to the GF in 2012 because when you consider what happened the following two years, it just would have been a nightmare. 
yeah, it's it, there's a there's a certain stigma that goes with like when you make a grand final and you get beaten and then you're terrible afterwards. And I think it would be it's lesser if you just make a prelim. People sort of forget about it. Well, unless you're a Port supporter who's like a sycophant for you know making fun of the crows. But then again, we didn't lose in a grand final to the tune of 119 points. So, mate, let's uh, move on and get to the 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 um, the crux of the of your the reason for your being on our podcast tonight. Oh yes, yes, that's probably a good idea. Being in the kitchen of one, so to say. <laughs> that's it. So tell us a bit about your experience on the Adelaide board when you joined, why you joined, um, you know, some of your uh, more, uh, more you know, uh, challenging moments on the board. Who haven't you had a fight with? Oh, gee, that would be a short list of people, I think. Um, I don't think you've had a fight with me. Um, no, I don't think. Um, I don't know. I don't look... It's sort of weird how the fights tend to happen. I don't go looking for them sometimes. They just spontaneously occur. Usually it's something someone posts that I just like, mm, or it's something I post, someone disagrees with it. And um, though I, I think I do get away with a lot. Uh, the mods do let me get away with a lot of the things I do, or have done in the past. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've had an argument with you yet either. Yeah, I've I've sort of been a bit quieter, I think, in the last little while, probably six months or so. I mean, I've been away. I haven't actually been in Australia probably that much since ooh, uh, November, mid-November. So, yeah, we don't I allow mean, phone a, we don't allow phone a friend on this show. So, you know, there's yeah. no if you want facts, you got to bring them out yourself. There's no yeah, other background yeah, helping you out. Mi- I've checked the I've checked the flight details. It's definitely mid November. Definitely. <laughs> um, so why do you get so fired up on the on the for what are, what are the opinions that fire you up the most on the forums? Oh uh, well, because we might we might have a group argument here in a little minute. If you give us a topic and then okay. we'll we'll pinch it on you. I mean, it's it's the constant. Uh, well, it, it depends. There's, there seems to be different sort of groups of people. Perhaps we could use the word mobs of people. Um, some people are quite negative as like a that's their standpoint they they enter into discussions being negative um i mean it's and it's the nature of a internet forum that you will have that happen um, particularly when it's like about something people are passionate about um i think it's very i think it's very obvious that you're wrong and you should feel bad about <laughs> being wrong <laughs> um and then there's people that are super positive so really i i'm against both being either super positive about the crows um, or super negative about the crows. I'm more of a, about a middle ground. Sometimes you can be like, you know, you're in the game day thread, the crows are losing. You can be as negative as you want to be. You can, you can, you know, throw the baby out with a bath order. You can want the entire team delisted the next day. But in the, you know, in the threads for the next week, you know, for the preview throw for the next game, you should be really positive. You should be like, oh, yeah, we're going to smash them by 150 points this week for sure. Like, it's a lock. You know, throw your money on the game. But wouldn't that just be a big circle jerk then? Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's what really forums are in the end, massive jerk. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's some other stuff people post that, like, there was this one guy, and I, I can't, like, my memory's a bit spotty on this, but there was this one guy who would post um, and he would randomly put periods, like ellipsis, in his post, but they weren't ellipsis because they had too many periods. And he would just constantly do that. And I was just like, I can't, I would reply to him. It's like, why are you doing that? Ellipsis have this many periods. Stop doing it. And, um, Grab a Nazi. And WFL, there you go. If you want to pick a fight with right away, you know what to do. But not now. You know, every, every post from now on replying to you is just going to be filled with dots, mate. Um, well, so everybody should be pretending they're talking like Shatner? Not that. Or, yeah, Shatner or Tony Abbott, where you actually have to repeat what you say. You have to, be, you have to pay, repeat what you oh, say. Sh- Shatner has intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> this, this little Trekkie, nobody picks on Shatner. No, he certainly had a very good career, Shatner. I won't, um, you know, begrudge him that. Oh, no, no, no. He trolls on Twitter. Okay. It's hilarious. Oh. If you ever, if you've oh, I'm going to check this out. Check him out on Twitter. In the net. He, he is. He's a fabulous troll on Twitter. So he didn't even turn up to Leonard Nimoy's funeral? Oh, don't get me started on that. He had another commitment um, and it was to do with a charity and a lot of people have paid a lot of money to be there for him to be there. So he didn't um, give it up. His daughters did go and as soon as he could get on a flight back, he did and he caught up with the family then. My God, I thought you meant Leonard Nimoy had a prior commitment. I was like, mm, pretty sure this is <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah, don't pick on Shanna. No, I love him. Boston Legal was one of my favorite shows. <gasps> he was so good on that. So yeah, all right. So we better we better move on and put you under the grill, mate, because right. um, you know. That's what, it, what, that's what everyone's uh, waiting to hear. I've got some hard-hitting questions that are designed to, you know, reduce you to a sniveling mess, so we'll see how we go. No problem. Um, and, you know, the person in the background there, there's no cheating or else you're out. Oh, they're, they're quiet now. I've, they're asleep. <laughs> All right, so if you had a duffel coat, uh, who would be on the back of it? Oh, like are we talking Crows players? Oh, anyone. Anyone? Oh, geez, myself then. Jeez, easy. So you put yourself on your duffel coat? Oh, yeah, so people can see what what's going on the front and the back, see if they're behind me, they know who it is. Yeah, me. That's an interesting answer. Um, <laughs> I don't Fields? think we're ever going to have an answer like that ever again. No, uh, really, I could, yeah, let's just move on. Um, Dangerfield staying or going? Oh, definitely staying, um, definitely. Definitely, he's a he's um his partner, his girlfriend um is at uni. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's Adelaide or UniSA, but I know this sounds like really dodgy, like gossip. But um, a friend of mine um, stayed in a lived in a college with her, and she's still studying. So I mean, people can move universities, but no, I don't. That's my reason for not thinking he's going. That's better than Alex's. My friend's girlfriend's daughter's sister works at Pandora. All right, question three. Um, who is your – now, I know you love all the posters on Big Footy, but someone's got to be the least favourite. So who would that be, mate? Oh, let me check my ignore list, actually. So that, that'll just bear with me for one moment. 
I'm gonna have to go with Footy Forever for that one. He's on my ignore list. Actually, I don't know if he posts anymore, he or she posts anymore, or if um, they're actually annoying anymore because they're on my ignore list. And what was it particularly about that person that annoyed you, mate? Can you remember? Uh, for the life of me, no. Actually, I'll just go with Alex is on fire. I'll just say him because um, he's so, no, he's he's both my least favourite and my favourite because he's um, he's like a bipolar poster. One minute it's like going okay and then the next minute it's just like the, the switch is flicked and he's off the handle and it's absolutely hilarious. Because um, he supported Carlton again. Yeah, <laughs> that was the best thing ever. Um <laughs> Oh, because because Trig went there, so he did as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I just love it now. Whenever he kind of does something, everybody goes, "Aren't you a Carlton supporter? What are you doing here?" So, anyone else you want to throw in there? Because well, I mean, we could. Uh, who else is on your ignore list? That'd be an interesting. Right, I'll, I'll read my ignore list. Yeah, hang on. It's not very All long. Right, go for it. Um. Will you ignore him? Yeah. All right. Um, so I have I have Jenny sixty one underscore ninety nine on there, and that's big, not because I don't like what she posts. I mean, sometimes when I'm not logged in, I read what she posts anyway. Not because I don't like what she posts. It's because people reply to her, and I don't want don't like what they post. So I just find it easier to ignore Jenny, and I don't read all the other shit. So. I don't know if that still happens, but that's when I when I ignored her. That's what was happening. People, she would post something, and people would react to her. And that way, I didn't see any of it. Any of it. Uh, she's, she's not been seen all off season. She's been on the hot topic board. Oh, yeah, okay. she's uh, she's very good over on there. Well, so I'll take her off of right. ignore and go okay. read what she's been doing over there. I've just clicked stop ignoring, so she's she's no longer on the ignore list. In fact, I'm just, everyone's unignored now. You've um, you've caused me to unignore everyone. See, look at the social we're doing. So it's all done. We have power. They're all back. Expect more arguments soon since they're all unimportant. See, this has been cathartic for you, mate. It has, yeah. Experience. It has. Um, yeah. Next question, please. Next question. <laughs> You're a bit slow, Phoenix. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Have I got any more? Oh, can the crows make the eight? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think I posted something like "It's a lock" in one of the threads, and uh, I think someone I think I think it was Red Mist. I mean, I had I had this sort of I was, I was kind of taking the piss by suggesting he was like someone else, but that I, I was just bullshitting. That's I made that up. Um, but yeah, he took he took issue with me saying it was a lock. <laughs> but no, I think it's a pretty good chance for him made the eight. It really depends on how he start the year, how injuries go, which is. They're just standing cliches, but I think the Crows have a really good start to the year in terms of um, how easy the draw is. And um, if they play well, you know, should be a good shot at making the eight. So in the theme of, what was it, schadenfreude, are you willing to put anything on the line to back up your your positivity there? What, Stiffy's last one? If they don't make the, if they don't make, yeah, I'll, Stiffy's left one in addition, and in addition to that, I will, I don't know. I'll I think like, you have to I'll spend, st- I, th- I think you have to spend six months agreeing with everything that Alex says. 
Yeah, I'll listen to everything. I'll agree with everything he says for the duration yeah, of think, in 2016 season if the Crows don't, don't make the out. I don't think that's Yeah. I'll agree with everything. I'll back him up. Every single post he says. Every, it doesn't matter what he says. I'll back him up if the Crows don't make the out this year. Well, mate, I hope you realise this call's been recorded for training purposes, so you're on record. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, thanks very much for joining us, mate. And, you forgot uh, one. Oh, did I? What did I forget? Oh, you're yeah. Kylie or Danny. Kylie or Danny. Um, I'll go for Kylie. I mean, I know Danny Danny would probably be up for it because, like, she she's had a lot of boyfriends. I mean, Kylie's <laughs> had a lot of boyfriends too, but I think Danny's had more. Let's be honest. But I'll go with Kylie because she's more talented. So you're going for Kylie because she's had less boyfriends, so you're actually feeling a bit sorry for her. Is that how Yeah, it works? I mean, it's a charity case, really. That's, you know, hey. <laughs> okay. And on that note, thanks I've very got much one. for joining. I'll go I've, on I've got one, Phoenix. All right. I'd like to know, Fruit Shocks or Jeffers? Fruit Shocks, every day of the week. Oh, you're my favourite now. Yeah. Yeah, Scorched Almonds beats both of those. No. Golden North ice cream with fruit chocks. Can't, That's just ridiculous. I can't actually eat Jaffers. Perfect. I can't actually eat Jaffers because when I was a young boy, I ate a entire packet of Dross chocolate, dark chocolate, and drank a bottle of orange juice at the same time. And... I got sick and was vomiting everywhere. And since then, I can't stand orangey-flavoured chocolate. Mm, Not good. Well, I hope you feel better for having told us that. Yeah. And we certainly feel better for having having (laughs) been party to it. I'm glad. Um, Thanks very much for joining us, mate. And um, we'll see you on the forums. No problem. It's really good. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much uh, for that, Phoenix. And uh, that uh, brings us to a close this evening, uh, another uh, Adelaide Bigfooty Crowcast uh, for the week. Um, unfortunately, uh, circumstances are a little bit sad with the uh, the Brad Crouch injury. I know we've mentioned it before, but, oh, gee, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. But uh, anyway, thanks very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks, Specious Phoenix, WFL and Nikki New, um, and for all of your contributions. Brilliant stuff. For everybody out there listening, um, thanks for joining us again for another week on the Crowcast. Uh, as I've said before, please follow us uh, on Twitter at uh, BF uh, Crowcast and also our um, Facebook page. Chat with us. Uh, come into uh, the bigfooty.com forum and have a chat. Otherwise, we'll uh, see you next week for uh, the round one, beginning of the AFL season. Can't wait for that. See everybody. See you, bud. See ya. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to Crowcast, brought to you by Casmar Event Technology for all your live production and studio recording needs. See you at the footy.